As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another edition of the Pugging Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. We have, of course, a ton to get into on the heels of the Anthony Joshua Kubrat Pulov heavyweight title fight, the prospect of Joshua versus Tyson Fury next year, Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith on Saturday, and we're going to be joined by super middleweight champion Callum Smith to discuss that fight and much more. So if you're enjoying the show, before we get started, please hit that subscribe button, like, review, rate, anything helps, and now let's get on to the show. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the like only, a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance. Anthony Joshua retained his heavyweight title against Kubrat Pulev. That was a pretty darn exciting fight, in my opinion. I, I thought Joshua was going to finish Pulev after he dropped him in round three. Um, I certainly thought the referee would have been within his right to stop the fight after Pulev turned his back on Joshua and got whacked again on the side of the head. But Pulev was tough as advertised, made it some more rounds. And then Joshua with the uppercut du jour in round nine, I think he landed maybe five in a row. <laughs> and then the then the one-two shot to finish him for good later in the round. Um, Floyd Mayweather was surprisingly there. And uh, I saw a lot of criticism, and I, I think it was warranted, that Joshua really wasn't willing to call Tyson Fury out. So first off, what were your quick reactions to the fight, and what did you think about Joshua really not calling Fury by name? Yeah, I mean, I, look, Mike, I was very impressed, and I know that there was a conversation uh, by the commentators during the fight about, is are we going to see the Anthony Joshua from Saudi Arabia, or are we going to see the Anthony Joshua, the old Anthony Joshua, who would dominate. And, you know, look, he spent a couple rounds sizing up Kubrat Pulev, but what we saw from that point forward, I, I was very encouraged by. And honestly, like, I'm I'm so high on Anthony Joshua right now, I would like him in this uh, fight against Tyson Fury because I thought, like, he let, he let his fist go, and that's what he needs to do. Yes, yes, Mike, there are reasons to be worried about the chin. There's w- reasons maybe still to be worried about how his cardio and endurance is going to hold up once he does get rocked. But look, this guy at his best, when he's just, you know, finding those openings and looking for those openings instead of trying to look to box, is at his at the elite level. It's why he has, you know, three straps 
uh, you know, three heavyweight straps around his waist because he's a he's a dynamic talent. I mean, this guy has a, a ton of charisma, a lot of personality. Really enjoyed him and uh, thank thank him for coming on the show last week. And what he did in this fight against Pulev was exactly we, what we want the, our heavyweight champions to do, which is you know look to look to finish and look to land those heavy blows that are going to uh, result in a knockout. And that's what he got. I mean, I love uh, his social media afterward. You know, all his posts where he, I think he you know showed his last punch against Pulev was which was just a a hammer shot, and he had one word on his on his uh, Instagram say saying good night. I loved it. I mean, I, I, I couldn't have been any happier with what Anthony Joshua did from the standpoint of what it brings to the, to the sport of boxing. Um, you want the heavyweight champion uh, to turn in that kind of performance. And like I said last week, you know, yes, you do need to consider that this is a 39-year-old man he was doing it to, but it's still a, a mandatory heavyweight uh, challenger, and the performance by Joshua was very sharp. Now, turning on to the next uh, point, again, not to uh, uh, be a, a homer for Anthony Joshua here, but look, I thought that I thought that maybe he was a little bit too long in getting to the questions about uh, Tyson Fury or bringing up his name when everyone knows that that's the name that uh, we want him to talk about. But he did ultimately say, like, you know, if 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 Tyson Fury is the man that's uh, you know uh, that I need to fight then I'm going to fight him. And I think that's, you know, that's good enough. It's like, okay, well, let's take this guy for on, on his word. He really hasn't done uh, anything that I can think of where he's been any kind of like ducker or dodger. Um, and this is the fight that makes all the sense. The only thing that's going to uh, perhaps complicate it is this issue with the, the WBO and their attempts to enforce uh, a fight, a mandatory fight for Joshua against Alexander Usyk. Uh, but agree with me or not, not Mike. I mean, did you have a problem with um, him taking so long to get to Fury? Yeah, look, I, I don't think Joshua's scared of Fury. I, I definitely think the fight is going to happen next. I'm not worried about that. I would just like to see some more bravado. You know, boxing is um, a, a sport full of machismo. It is WWE in style with the theatrics. And I do want to see our champions call the other guy out, <laughs> whether it's yeah. Spence or Crawford. And I loved what Fury did right after the fight ended. Fury said, I'll knock you out in three rounds. <laughs> fight me, you bum. The, you know, that's what we want. That's what drives the sport. Casual fans love it, especially. I want to see more of that. I don't want to see from Joshua, oh, well, you know, if Fury has the belt, then I want him. And again, I don't think Joshua's ducking anybody. I would just like to see more of a forceful call out. It's great for the sport. It gets everyone excited. It's good for the highlight reel, good for the commercials. But more importantly, I do think the fight's going to happen next. Um, I've been talking to people around there and that financial split that they agreed to earlier earlier this year, I think that reigns supreme over here. That was always going to be the biggest hurdle, right? We've yeah. seen other fights fall apart over it. I mean, I know you were you were covering boxing when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao couldn't get made back in 2009, right? Yeah. Because of the split. This is a big deal. These guys agreed months and months ago to a 50-50 split down the middle and then 60-40 in a two-fight deal. 60-40 to the winner, of course, for the rematch. I think it's more likely than not this fight's going to happen in you know late spring, early summer, and of course COVID's going to depend on it. They're going to need fans, but I think more likely than not we're going to see it in the Middle East. And is, is that is that the main reason you feel like it'll get done? Because I I think like those concerns are at play, and I think those concerns are pretty big. Is there anything else that you're aware of that makes you feel like you know Joshua Fury will be next for sure? 
just everyone I've spoken to involved is very confident. Everyone wants the fight. There's too much money to be made. The time is now. It's been marinated, so to speak, uh, to the utmost. And I don't see this WBO nonsense really getting in the way. I think it's a shame what Paco, uh, the head of the WBO, said on Twitter about, oh, remember your obligations to Usyk. And yes, there is an obligation, but also, who cares? So yeah. we've hammered Mauricio Suleiman in the show, and we're not going to let Paco off the hook either. We the should get him this on. Big for the good of the, let's get him on if, yeah. he, wants to, if yeah. he wants to take the heat from us. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, you can't get in the way of these mega fights. I, I don't, you know, there are exceptions to every rule, and you have to be willing to make exceptions when it comes to these fights that transcend the sport. We need more of them. And, but again, I don't think there's going to be anything to get in the way because the split's already there. TV normally, I would say, would get in the way, but I don't think that's going to happen. Joshua is not signed to the zone. They simply have a first and last on him. Fury is, you know, has an exclusive with ESPN. I think it's easy. This is an ESPN pay-per-view in the U.S., and you let the zone have the global rights now. Uh-huh. I think the zone would be more than happy with that, too, even though they don't have him exclusively. That's an easy fix. You go, you know, if the Middle East is going to give the most money, you go there, and both guys make a ton of money. We get the biggest fight since Mayweather McGregor, well, Mayweather Pacquiao, if you want to talk a real fight, I think this is a much bigger fight, even in the U.S., than Fury Wilder. And I'm excited for it. I think it's going to happen. And I'm glad to see Joshua go into that fight with a big knockout. Yes. Um, do you want to talk about who do you think would win the fight at this hour? You have to pick a winner, gun to your head. Who are you taking in Joshua Ooh, Fury? I'm going Tyson Fury. Wow. Why? Uh, look, why? I don't think Joshua quite trusts his chin yet. Uh, ever since that Ruiz knockout, we saw it in the, in the Ruiz rematch. Every time Ruiz landed, Joshua looked a bit hesitant. I saw shades of that in this fight with Pulev. But look, this is a 50-50 fight still. I mean, I'm picking Fury, but I, I expect the odds to be close and reflect that. Um, certainly, if they fought three times, I would pick one guy to win once at least. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a great fight. But look, Fury, now it is new style under Sugar Hill, f- discovering that he ha- you know, he's a 270-pound man who, if he's, when he's going to sit on his shots, he can knock you out. He has all the confidence in the world. I just don't know how you're picking against Fury right now. But who do you like, Lance? Well, I, I like Joshua. I like Joshua just because I, I can see it being a, a the type of fight where um, he was not the, not the man he was against Ruiz or not the man he was in the, uh, I'm talking about the Ruiz rematch, uh, but the man he was against Klitschko where maybe, he, you know, he has an acknowledgement that yes, my chin may be a little bit suspect, but damn it, I'm going to win this fight. And I think that I see that mindset uh, ticking in, in Anthony Joshua. And I think a lot of people who who saw that fight, maybe even Floyd, you know, I'd be interested to get to pick his brain about uh, how impressed he was with Anthony Joshua in this fight. Are thinking like this man. is this is this is a man possessed. This is a man who kind of senses his moment. And at age uh, thirty one, right? I mean, he's uh, it's it's there for the taking to really kind of run the world as heavyweight champion and be this magnetic uh, worldwide personality. That I think he's, I think he's uh, ready for, and and has always wanted to be. Uh, I guess the last thing, Mike, is that you know I wrote this in my mailbag um, that ran on Monday. It's like I actually am not one of those people who says like belts don't matter at all. Belts obviously matter because we like to know who a champion is in each weight class. I know there's too many of them, but if if Paco Varcasel really uh, stands firm and strips Anthony Joshua. I mean, honestly, the hell with them. I mean, you know, take that belt, and that yeah. that that belt means nothing. Go ahead and take that belt, give it to Usyk, let him fight someone like Joe Joyce or uh, Joseph Parker or something like that. But you're you're going to have a champion who's not 
um, Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury, and you're going to be uh, taking a sanctioning fee that's going to be far short of what Joshua and Fury can provide you. So, you know, figure it out. It's in your best interest to try to solve the puzzle. I just find it hard to believe that at the end of the day, this fight that deserves to be fought for four belts uh, will only be fought by three. I mean, do you do you think that he has the guts to to strip him? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I think he would. But wow. you know what? Like you said, fuck it. If he wants to do it, let him do it. No one's going to recognize that person as a champion anyway. And we're going to move on with the biggest fight in boxing. And Lance, I smell another bet coming. You know, I, <laughs> I still owe you back from that Rigondeaux Lomachenko bet. I don't know if we ever actually officially bet on Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, but. We're, we're going to bet on this one, Lance. Okay. Something's, something's going to happen. You got it. You got it. Um, fish, and, <laughs> fish, and chip, on. fish and chips and a couple pints will be on the line for sure. Fish and chips, compliments <laughs> of Mr. Gareth Davis. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> he, did a, he did a great job on the uh, broadcast. You know, I was very proud of him. Yeah, I loved it. Some, some wild man flair. Yeah. Ejected some personality into it. I loved it. He was great. I agree. All right, Lance. Let's hit pause really quick to hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith. And as we already discussed, look, this is a great fight. It's one of the best you can make in the sport right now. That's not one of the biggest, but it's big anytime Canelo fights. And Callum Smith is more than deserving. He's the unquestioned number one guy at 168. And uh, I think it's great to end the year like this. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is the pound for pound king. He's the biggest star in boxing. I can't wait. We'll be in Texas with coverage of the fight. Lance, what kind of chance do you really give Callum at the upset? Um, he's got some chance, and that's the beauty of this fight, Mike, right? Because he, like, like you said, Canelo, uh, and I think this is the, the ultimate takeaway from this fight, is that Canelo, the face of the sport, is basically setting the tone for the sport and setting the tone for the other people who may be kind of like hemming and hawing about like, are they going to get in the ring and, and fight the fight that they should be taking? Uh, yes or no. You know what Canelo says? is like, hey, man, I, I dealt with all this legal strife. And I still want the best guy out there possible. And so I think that, you know, in taking this fight with the bigger man, a guy who has some significant power, and let's be honest, I mean, we know that Canelo has fought uh, at 168 and 175, but it's not, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you'll probably be able to say it after this fight that it's, it truly is now he's comfortable at 168, but I don't know, like, right at this second you can say that. So, um you know, stepping into this fight against Callum Smith, Callum Smith has the opportunity um, to 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 shock the world, to defeat you know the the most prominent fighter that's out there at this at the, at this hour. 
Um, uh, this is a guy who has the ability to um, uh, impose his length to, you know, look for those openings and, and land some power shots on Canelo. Now, like, there's not a lot of give in that, in that neck of Canelo's. We know that. But, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a fight. And I think it's going to have some, definitely some moments, Mike, that you're going to, uh, be riveted while you're sitting there ringside in San Antonio. And I think the crowd that's, uh, going to be gathering as well is going to be on their feet at moments. Um, how do you see the fight going? I think I think Callum's like a, a six to like maybe a five or six to one underdog. Seems like a little too wide to me. Yeah. If you're betting on the fight, that's some pretty good value for a guy who's proven himself like he said to be a big puncher. Maybe they're looking at that lousy performance he had against John Ryder last year. But look, that happens. A lot of guys fight down to the level of their opposition. I think Callum's gonna be up to the task. I think it's gonna be a good fight. I think he's gonna give Canelo a good challenge. But obviously I'm picking Canelo Alvarez. It's no disrespect to Callum, it's just that there's nobody I'd pick over Canelo Alvarez. So um, certainly I expect Callum to fare a lot better than his brother Liam did back in 2016. Canelo won every round and knocked him out, I think, in like round seven or so. Mm-hmm. But um, Canelo's going for the biggest challenges, and if he wins this fight, he will be the number one guy at 168, and he'll you know, cement that pound-for-pound pound status, which is what we want to see in boxing. Um, fights that matter. Now, the one biggest shame, Lance, I, I do love that we're going to have fans, but it just sucks that we're not going to have all the British fans traveling because of COVID restrictions. I mean, could you imagine that atmosphere for oh, Callum Smith oh my challenging gosh. Canelo Alvarez in Texas? Oh, it'd be incredible, Mike. But, um, I mean, yeah, we barely had a, any taste of that when Liam Smith came over to AT&T Stadium. It just, you know, really wasn't there. It was dominated by the Canelo crowd. But yeah. Callum Smith, Smith being a champion for, you know, a little while here, has got a, a pretty sizable fan base, and it, it, the the Brits always bring such passion and, and make make for uh, such an entertaining uh, spectacle, or you know, around the fight itself. So I, I wish I wish that that had happened as well. We'll get there, you know. Lance, we'll get there. Can, yeah. Lance, can you believe that trip was four years ago? That was a fun, that oh was such gosh. a fun trip. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Oh, the things that we saw, oh, yeah. I can't even get into. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but that was a. Uh, you know, yeah, that uh, was, uh, more than four years ago, you know, what's interesting, Mike, though, is that like, so here we are, you know, on Saturday, we've got Canelo and Callum Smith. But uh, the day before we've got um, Triple G against Zaremeta, his IBF mandatory for the, in the middleweight division, um, fighting again on the zone. I, I was talking to Triple G and I was stunned by the fact that he says he's barely even studied uh, Camille Zaremeta, you know, that, you know, it's it's it ha- it's not even a, a, an opponent that he's put uh, much preparation into other than he's really kind of leaned on his trainer, Jonathan Banks, um, you know, in what has been the the longest layoff of, of Triple G's career to really, you know, establish a rapport and establish a more a more, I would say, complete fight plan than what he has he has shown previously. So, I mean, this is an interesting uh, fight from that perspective, too. Like, how is this guy going to look at, at in his longest layoff at age 38 against a guy who's not a slouch? Yeah, I mean, Triple G needs a big statement. We all know fighting the day before Canelo Alvarez, the prospect is there once again of Canelo Triple G3, that elusive fight for the zone for May of next year. But Triple G is going to have to win and be oppressive to get the juices flowing again. The same way Joshua got some momentum going with the knockout of Pulev, right? We need to see the Triple G the Destroyer back in there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think that, uh, you know, he, he, he has that mindset. We know that that mindset is there. I just wonder if the body is willing to, uh, is able to follow and is able to fulfill 
what the what the brain is is, is telling you know all the, uh, the rest of his body to uh, to uh, perform as you know I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting night and I, I think for again for the sake of boxing just like what we saw with Anthony Joshua if Triple G can do that it definitely states sets the stage for um, this Canelo Triple G three. Do we think, do you think, you've been talking to these guys, do you think that that's a fight that would happen next with each of them claiming victory this upcoming weekend? I, I honestly do think it's going to happen next if, if wow. they both win. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that the time is right once again. I think at this point, I mean, look, the weight might be an issue. I think Triple G more than likely is going to have to be willing to go up to 168. I don't see Canelo making concessions uh, for Triple G at this juncture. Yeah. But, if if they if he can uh, get the weight settled, I do think we're going to see it finally. Um, if not, if not, I think it's now or never. Yeah, it's not going to happen in May. Then it's never going to happen, and that's that. Which is fine too. I, I've seen a lot of fans say that they're no longer interested in that fight, but they can say where they want. I think they're going to be interested if the fight's actually made. Um, but look, Lance, before we could even get to the prospect of that fight, Canelo has Callum Smith to deal with, and we're going to hear from Callum Smith right now here on the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. Callum, thank you so much for joining Lance and I. First off, I, I know you were trying pretty hard to get this Canelo fight all year. Saunders had it, and then the pandemic came. Um, you know, it seems like unlikely. You know, Canelo's 2020 was plotted out, right? There's going to be Billy Joe Saunders in May, Golovkin in September, and now here you are with the only person fighting Canelo this year. Yeah, it was a, it's been a strange year for so many reasons. And Obviously, the start of the year, I was in negotiations for the fight, and then it was like Saunders got it, and then the plan was Saunders, and then Triple G in September. So I kind of accepted that I wasn't getting the fight, and I had to just go and carry on doing my thing, what I have been doing, and I would defend the new world title and look for look for the unification fight. But things happened, things changed, the pandemic hit, and here we are, December 19th, maybe Canelo Alvarez. It's a, it's a huge fight, a fight that really excites me, and a fight that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and this is a big coming out party for you in the U.S. as well. I mean, obviously, you're already pretty well known in the U.K., but over here, I, I think people know that your name from your brother fighting Canelo, but now they're going to find out what you're all about. Yeah, hopefully. So that's the plan. I think you know, people in, in the U.K. already obviously know who I am, but Canelo's a worldwide superstar. He's known all over the planet, and to, to, to fight him and to beat him would put my name well known and you know, we already know how good he is but it's time for me to show the world how good I am which you know, I fully believe I will do in December 19. Yeah. Callum, we know that you know uh, Canelo's been in the gym for so long um, getting ready for whatever fight was going to come his way and I've but I've seen some comments on social media saying did Callum have enough time? Was he in the gym? Did he Does he have enough training for this fight? Can you update the uh, listeners on, on your preparation for this? Yeah, obviously I was in the gym. If I wasn't, I wouldn't have been in a position to take the fight when the, when the call did come at four weeks' notice. If I'd been doing nothing, then no, I wouldn't have been able to get fit in four weeks. But I've been training. I've been in the gym with Joe working and we were hopefully trying to, trying to get a fight at some point. It's been a strange year where we've all been inactive through, through no fault of our own. So I, I have been in the gym. I wasn't specifically training for, for Canelo Alvarez, but... I was in work and I was trying to improve. I was staying ready, staying ticking over. And when the window called, come at the four week, four weeks notice. If if I hadn't been doing what I've been doing, I would have had to turn the fight down and I'd have probably kicked myself because I always knew, you no, know, an opportunity would come or a fight date would come towards the end of the year. So I, I yeah, I was training and I was in a position to take the fight and I will be 
at 100% come December 19th. Great. Obviously, your height and reach seem to be the leading assets physically that, uh, you know, have you uh, possessing an advantage for this fight. But what immediately comes to mind when you say, I like my chances against Canelo because of this? I just, obviously, I've, I've watched him over the years as a fan. No, he's a great fighter and you just, you see him against other fighters and they always wonder what you, how you do view it, if that was you in there. And I've seen all the fighters have success against them. Kovalev had a lot of success in their fight. Yeah. Daniel Jacobs success in that fight. And you just, I just think stylistically, me against Canelo, I've always liked my chances. Oh, I'm not discrediting him for what he's done in the sport. And he's a very good fighter. But I think the best Canelo we've seen is at 160. And I think, you know, his fight with Kovalev's fight, obviously, you can't really take much from the field and fight. But I just think. He's a better fighter down at 160. I'm a very, very big 168, and I'm not. I'm not just big. I believe I'm big with, with ability, and you no, know, I think we get good tactics, and as long as I can stick to them and pull them off on the night, you know, I genuinely believe I have got to beat in Canelo Alvarez. Great. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone, anyone who fights Canelo is going to be the underdog, but this is really a new role for you. Do you prefer this versus being the favorite? Um, yeah, I do. I was the underdog in the world title fight with George Groves with the with the betting odds and it was nice to go in with, with a point to prove and I think there's more pressure on you when you're expected to win and you're expected to look good and all eyes are on you whereas now it's it's often I've got to prove to people why I'm in this fight and prove to people why I'm in one in the world at 168 so it takes a little bit of pressure off me but it doesn't in a sense is in I've got my own beliefs and my own standards to set for myself and my own I believe I, I, I'm in this fight for a reason because I'm ranked number one and I believe I'm in this fight to win it. So as a winner, I don't accept that not unless I'm winning. So for my own, I've got my own standards in this fight and my own beliefs. So for me, this is a must win just as every other fight previously. But to go in as the underdog, it is. it does give you that little bit more to prove when you see people you know, not, not giving you the chance. It's now time for me to show you know, why I'm here and why I'm here to win. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a rare opportunity. Not only is Canelo Alvarez considered the best fighter in the world, regardless of weight, he's also the biggest star in the sport. Obviously, beating him would transform you overnight. But, you know, does it give you a little extra motivation that your brother, Liam, fought Canelo a few years ago? Obviously, didn't fare too well, and you're one of four four brothers. Is that any juice? Um, yeah, a little bit, but regardless of if he, he fought me brother before or not, this fight's just as big. This fight's huge. For its own reasons, because it's two two good fighters. But you no, know, I beat George Groves. who beat me brother Paul a few years ago, and that was nice. After it to to look back and get it get get one over them and get a bit of revenge. But going into that fight, my motivation was to become a world champion first and foremost. And going into this fight, it's to it's to change my career and you no know, beat Canelo Alvarez. And after it, then yeah, it would be nice to get the revenge. But my motivation isn't based on that. It's based on just getting the win for me. When, it, when you're talking about the underdog role, I mean, obviously you need to embrace it and embrace it pretty fiercely because you're going to be walking into the Alamo Dome, which is going to be, I'm, I'm certain to be filled with Canelo fans swarming that place. How, how are, have you thought about that scene and how do you get mentally ready for that, knowing that basically everyone's against you? Yeah, you're just over the years in boxing, as an amateur, you fight all over the world in the different countries and as a professional, I fought in Germany, Saudi Arabia, I fought in the States before. You've just got to just 
I think you're so focused on the fight and the job at hand. You don't really pay attention to who's who the crowd's for, who's outside the ring. It's kind of tunnel vision. And I've been, I've walked the ring with my brother against Canelo with 52,000 people in the AT&T and they were all for Canelo. But it, it was a great experience. The atmosphere was unbelievable and it was a great occasion. Yeah. Hopefully, we haven't got the same same capacity this time. But no, I'm I'm thankful there is some fans in there. I'd prefer fans than no fans at all. That would have been yeah. a bit of a shame. You no, know, such a big fight with with no crowd. So no, we can't complain. We've got some form of crowd back. It's not it's not the full capacity, but it, it's definitely a bonus regardless of whether throw for Canelo or not. Noise is noise, and the crowds are what give you that little that little adrenaline boost it's it's pressure to perform in front of them they're, they're watching so yeah I'm, I'm pleased we have got some fans in even though, though they're not going to be for me yeah and God's honest truth I mean Callum and let's be honest I mean there's a so much adrenaline that has to be coursing through your veins for this fight a lot of people would would look back on your most recent fight against John Ryder and say was that not there in that fight when when you look back in hindsight on what happened in that bout leading into Canelo how do you explain that because we know you're better than that, yeah. right? This fight's huge because I know how good Canelo is and I know if the best version of me doesn't turn up, I lose. And yeah. that's no, there's no, no doubt about that. But I also believe the best version of me turns up, I win. That pressure to, to deliver that, I've always felt, has brought out the best in me. Did they have that in me last fight? No, to be honest with you, no. But I'm still not making excuses for the performance. I underperformed for whatever reason. I know I, we're not too sure, but... I, I know I can't afford that type of performance this time round, or no, it, I, I, I won't come out a winner, and I'll no, I'll wake up not a world champion anymore. And I've worked hard to be in the position I am. I don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. So I know I will be better this time. I have to be better, and the fact that no, and I have to that pressure will, will will make me deliver. Yeah, especially now that Canelo is planning on settling at 168 pounds. Super middleweight might be the best division in all of boxing. I mean, there's you. There's Canelo, there's Billy Joe Saunders, Daniel Jacobs, David Benavidez, Caleb Plant. Who do you think is the best super middleweight in the world besides yourself and Canelo? Um, it's hard because they're all, they're all good fighters. Obviously, you've got to put Canelo up there for just for what he's done you know, throughout the weight. He, he, he's a top fighter. Saunders is a good fighter. Caleb Plant's a good fighter. Benavidez is a good fighter, even though he, you know, he's lost his title on, on the scales. But it's a good division with unbeaten fighters. And even before Canelo, I would have stepped into the division. I was saying it was a good division. We have four champions all undefeated. We, it, it'd have been a shame if and we don't all fight each other and you know, try and get that you know, unified type champion and try and get an undisputed champion. It's an exciting division. And after this fight, I'll still be looking for, for the unification fight or to fight. You know, Daniel Jacobs a big name, especially in the States. And all good fighters in one-way division, they should fight. And I'm hoping with you know, the way times are now and people don't want to just waste, waste the career fighting fights that we're just expected to win. We're starting to see the best fighting the best, even under the circumstances we're in. So hopefully it can continue. Yeah, I, I obviously thought that Billy Joe Saunders looked really good last week against Martin Murray. Obviously, Murray is way past it, but Billy's a guy that's fought down to his level of opposition a lot in the past, and I thought he was totally switched on. And I just can't imagine how big a fight you and Billy would be in the UK. Yeah, it'd be huge. Two, two British world champions, I said, I've said previously. It'd be a shame if that fight doesn't happen. No, it, it is a big fight, especially in the UK, two undefeated champions. So, uh, no, hopefully, after this fight, we can get it on. No, he's 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 back now. He, he had a similar time off the ring. He, he's got rid of the ring rust, and he'd be looking for big fights next year, as will me. And 
know a lot of the other fighters in this division. So hopefully 2021 can see where we all we all mix each other and we end up with it. You know a true genuine number one in the division. Can you can you sense that enthusiasm for boxing? I mean, we we all know that the UK uh, fans are so um, interested in this sport, but I mean, it's at a fevered pitch. It seems like now, especially when you talk about your own future, when you think about the idea of uh, Joshua and Fury fighting twice next year. Um, what is it like over in the UK right now when they when the fans are thinking and talking about boxing? Yeah, it's it's, it's boxing's doing well in the minute. The UK was shown with you now we've got fighters who can compete with the very best in the world. You've got a few, probably number one in the division. Josh Taylor's a very good fighter yeah. at, at 140. Jordy and Josh. It's obviously similar to me and Saunders, but obviously even bigger. It'll be a shame if Fiori and Joshua don't fight each other. They've got all the belts between them in the UK. And for, for whatever reason, the fight hasn't happened so far. They've got mandates and stuff like that. But hopefully they can both take care of them. Joshua will be pure 11 next weekend and then they can both get it on because that fight would probably be you know, the biggest British boxing fight we've ever seen. Yeah. And to, you know, to, and to witness that, it, 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 it's a great fight. And you know, it's definitely the two of them have got done a lot for British boxing, as have a lot of the other champions, but we're definitely in a good place and you no know, long may continue. It's not just your trainer, Joe Gallagher, who's high on your chances in this fight. I mean, I, I remember talking to him for a few minutes and just his enthusiasm for how you can fare against Canelo was, was really believable. You know, but I spoke to a trainer out here in Southern California, Buddy McGirt, who I think you know very well. And he also said, I like Callum in the fight. You know, he does have those physical advantages. He's going to hit harder and it's there for the taking. This has got to be, you know, that's that's something that's a neutral opinion, opinion, Callum. So that has to mean a lot to you, too. Are you hearing that support? Are you feeling that support worldwide? Um, no, obviously, I didn't know that, but. And Buddy McGate's a great trainer, someone I've got a lot of respect for. He's a very good fighter in his own day. And obviously he's worked with Kovalev before, so he yeah. obviously studied Connect. He obviously sees stuff that, that maybe I can take advantage of. But it's not obviously nice to get to get praise and people pick you. But if everyone was picking me or if no one was picking me, I've got to believe it myself and I believe in my own abilities. I believe how good I am. And I say I like my chances in this fight. But yeah, it's nice to hear no no fellow, no trainers and and people in the sport backing me. It's going to be a lorry back Canelo as well. But I just think it's a good fight. It's you know two Rain and Ring magazine champions, two two genuine world class fighters. No, I'm ranked number one. He's moving into my division, but he is who he is. He's proven himself at the very highest level. It's time for me to prove that I can compete at the elite level. No, I'm not just a world champion. I can compete with the very best. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a guy like Canelo Alvarez, he really always wants to fight the best. How much respect do you have for that? Yeah, a lot. I've always said, you no. Know, even before, I'm not going to sit and slag him and say he's overrated. He's this and that. He, you know, he cherry picks or whatever. He's a, he's a very good fighter. He's a. You look to his record. He's got some very good names on his resume, and you no, know, he, he's an exciting fighter. And I don't think people can put you as no one, two, three, pound for pound in the world if you haven't got the wins on your records. You you've got to to to, to be in that position. You've got to have, have the, the big names on your record, and he certainly has that. I've got a lot for him. I respect him massively, but I don't fear him. I believe I can beat him, and know that's what I'm planning number 19. Yeah, and earlier you mentioned the Kovalev fight. How much confidence did you glean from that? Obviously, Kovalev gave Canelo a lot of problems before the, the hellacious knockout, and you're just as big as Kovalev probably, and you're also in your prime, unlike Kovalev. Yeah, exactly. No, I did take a lot, a lot of positives from it. I thought Kovalev boxed 
looks a very good fight early on. I just think he, he faded towards the end, whether that was his age, his lifestyle, or whether it was, you know, the, the yard fight took a lot out of him, you know, a, a couple of months before. We don't know. And I think you've got to, also got to give credit for Canelo for, for getting the knockout towards the end. But the knockout didn't tell the story of the fight as you watch the fight going on. Probably had a lot of success in the fight. And yeah, I'd know I'd take positives from that most definitely. Um, lastly, Callum, uh, obviously you're very confident. What is, do you think is going to be the key to you pulling off the upset and beating the number one fighter in the world? I just think, obviously, people always just look at the size and think that's 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 my main advantage. But I, I like to think I'm a good fighter. I've got ability. I've got a good boxing brain. And I, no, I can use it. And I don't believe people have seen the very best of me because I don't believe I've had an opponent who, who's, who's brought that out of me just yet. And there's no better opponent to bring out you know, all my ability than Canelo Alvarez. He's a very good fighter. and I'm looking forward to, to seeing how good he is, but also showing how good I am as well. Callum, thank you so much for joining us. Can't wait for the fight on Saturday. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Quick break now, and we're going to hear from one of our sponsors. There you have it, everyone. Callum Smith, super middleweight champion, getting ready to fight Canelo Alvarez in a career-defining fight this Saturday on the zone in the U.S. and in the U.K., actually. And also, if you're not following Callum already, you can do so on Twitter and on Instagram at CallumSmith23. Lance, what was your big takeaway from that interview? Are you feeling better about Callum's chances? Yeah, because I wasn't sure how prepared he was heading into the fight. We had seen some stuff on social media that made it sound like he didn't have a full camp, but he definitely did. And look, I mean, all the things that you would want to hear from this guy, uh, the fact that he is kind of looking to... um, uh, achieve revenge for his brother uh, Liam, uh, the fact that he knows that he has these, the physical advantages over Canelo, and uh, you know, also sees you know, this, this path that lies before him that with the, the popularity of British boxing being the way it is, if this guy can you know, take that belt back and say, I just beat Canelo Alvarez, I mean, can you imagine the way he's going to be received there, uh, this guy from Liverpool? So, look, Calm Smith has everything going for him. He, um, he uh, understands that Canelo Alvarez is the biggest name in boxing and he wants to say like damn it I'm the champion you know and I'm gonna I'm gonna defend my belt successfully I don't care who it is and I think it was interesting uh, I thought it was an interesting conversation yeah it can't be overstated how big that victory would be for Callum Smith he would you know overnight be a star especially in the UK with a win like that and especially so if he can do it in impressive fashion if he can knock Canelo out so to speak but um there's another guy, Lance, that fought over the weekends who's trying to become a star at 168 pounds, and that's Edgar Berlanga. I mean, <laughs> wow. I, I put, this streak has to end at some point, right? He's like The Undertaker, The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. This guy, 16 fights, 16 first round knockouts. And that was some high drama against Ulysses Sierra. You, you know, I thought he was going to finish Sierra early in the rounds. Sierra, you know, looked like he was going to make it to the end of the rounds. And then you saw how hard Berlanger was pressing, how important <laughs> that streak is to him. And yeah. he got him out of there with about 20 seconds left in the rounds. Just amazing stuff. This guy has incredible power. I don't care who he's fighting. He's earned it. Look, he's not fighting King Kong, obviously. He's a prospect with all of, well, less than 16 rounds, full rounds under his belt. But the power is scary. He's punching through the guard. And it's just really going to be a question of how good his chin is, I think, and how he faces adversity. Yeah. There's no doubt. This guy's going to step up early in 2021. He's going to fight legit guys. 
And I'm excited. This this guy has all the starting star ingredients you want to see. Yeah, you want to say, Mike, that it, you know it's, it's not fair to Ed, Edgar Berlanga that you're only giving this guy three three minutes to prove himself, you know. But then again, like he's totally embracing that to where he knows, like, hey, this is the thing that everyone's know, talking uh, about me for. I've got to I've got to live up to this. I've got to do it, you know. And the, the fact that he accomplished it again. Uh, and we know, we know that the talent at top rank matchmaking, I mean, these guys are trying to, you know, step up the competition for him and they're going to continue to do so, you know, but this is a guy that like is challenging himself to say like, man, you know, the boxing world is kind of paying attention to me, this 23 year old uh, kid from Brooklyn who aspires to, you know, one day dominate with a lot of fights at Madison Square Garden and I need to uh, keep the momentum going. So more power to him. I mean, just an uh, absolutely uh, incredible, incredibly powerful performance. And like we say all the time, you know, knockouts are what uh, build stars. And this guy has a full understanding of that. Um, you know, also on that card, Mike, um, Felix Verdejo, you know, at age 27, uh, a couple years now removed from his uh, motorcycle accident, was involved in a in a very entertaining fight against um, Masayoshi Nakatani, who had fought uh, previously against Tiafima Lopez, um, and goes down. You know, um, he basically submits, goes down twice in the ninth round in what some people are saying is a fight of the year finalist, not the fight of the year, but a fight a fight of the year finalist, and it very well could be because Nakatani was down twice previously in that fight as well, and it was just uh, you know great. Great action, epic action, but I do believe that I think now we finally kind of know that, you know, the, the star power of Felix Verdejo and who he was supposed to be coming out of Puerto Rico has lost its luster. And I actually saw a comment on Twitter from the former welterweight champion, Kermit Cintron, kind of saying like, who else, you know, who else is there from Puerto Rico now? But you know what? <laughs> Edgar Berlanga for, has the Puerto Rican yep. root, roots. And I think he's the guy. He's, he's had a personal audience with Felix Trinidad. And he's the guy who wants to um, carry, carry that flag forward. So um, there's your answer right there, um, Kermit. And then lastly, in the main event um, of that ESPN card, Shakur Stevenson, which is a dominating win. He won every round against uh, Toka Khan Clary. Um, a fine performance. I know, you know, some people are going to say that they were a little bit uh, bored by Shakur's dominance, but you know, his body, his body and his power do seem to be increasing. And, you know, look, I mean, he's, he's headed for a shot if he wants this. And I, I just, I don't know that he's going to take this fight if Jamel Herring beats Carl Frampton, but he's, he's eligible. He's basically not the mandatory, but uh, Paco Varcasella said that Shakur is next for the Jamel Herring, uh, Carl Frampton winner, but because Shakur is um, so close to Herring being, you know, like with uh, Herring being a stable name, stable mate of, of Shakur's close friend, Terrence Crawford, I don't know if that fight would, would take place because of that. And maybe we saw also on social media um, over the weekend where WBC 130-pound champion Miguel Burchelt was sort of calling out Shakur and saying that Shakur is kind of boring to him and, you know, he's not really worried about that. So maybe, you know, what what route... Shakur is going to take is going to be interesting on the heels of this victory. But look, another impressive uh, uh, boxing-dominated victory uh, by this uh, former Olympic silver medal- medalist, and it's uh, it's always good to have uh, you know young American champions who can box so well. Um, yeah, I mean, one thirty is red hot right now, Lance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a division that gets talked about enough. 
crib. You had Chris Colbert over on Showtime looking really dominant. Stopped yeah. Jaime Arboleda in the 11th rounds. He's a guy that has the look of a future star too. Big power, great style. He's at 130. And also, Lance, we have Jojo Diaz. He's going to be fighting soon against Rakimov, the, you know, a top 10 guy from Russia who's very aggressive. Maybe the solution to all that is you have Jojo Diaz fight the winner of Herring Frampton. Mm-hmm. You know, all three of those guys are with MTK. Easy fights to make. Mm-hmm. And then you can have Shakur fight against the winner of Miguel Burchelt versus Oscar Valdez. That fight, per sources, is now set for February 20th on ESPN. So, and then I think we're going to have Herring and, Herring and Frampton. That could be in February as well. Um, I think you've been saying that it's definitely going to be early in 2021. And obviously, I expect Burchelt to be Valdez. So maybe we have Burchelt versus Shakur, and then we have Jojo Diaz, assuming he beats uh, Rakamoff against the winner of Herring and Frampton. Wow. And then maybe, maybe Colbert you throw in with, you know, maybe uh, Isaac Cruz or, or straight to Javante Davis. I don't know. But there's a lot of really good fights right now at 130. Yeah, unbelievable division. And I, although Colbert was a little bit, stayed in the pocket a little too long early on in the fight. I mean, the way he throws those uh, wild flailing shots uh, was very impressive because it looks crazy, but it was all landing cleanly. So this guy is a is a uh, a definitely a sharp talent that we need to keep our eye on. And it's also resur- it's also Lance a resurgence for Brooklyn. Uh, we have Chris Colbert who hails from Brooklyn, Edgar Berlanga, of course, Tiafimo Lopez. So. You know, really been dormant for a while. Obviously, uh, this, the same place Mike Tyson and Riddick yeah. Bowe and Zab Judah and others came from. So it's great to see that. And I agree with what you said. Look, Verdejo, I don't want to write him off. I see. The, I think the UFC does a great job of this. Guys lose all the time, and they still get. You know, they're still useful. They're still in a lot of fun fights. This isn't an entertainment after all. You know, I watched UFC on Saturday and saw Tony Ferguson, who was coming off a loss to Gaethje, lose again. But people still want to see him fight. I still want to see Verdejo fight too. But you're right. At this point, it's obvious he's not the second coming, and that's okay. You know, he's going to have to just adjust. And if you're, if I'm top rank, I want to see them do the UFC model. Throw him right back in there in a tough fight. If it's not the next fight, the fight after that. Let's, you know, I don't want to see Verdejo be built up again on some slow rebuild. You know, fight this guy, fight that guy he's supposed to be. Throw him in with Richard Comey or someone. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I thought that the performance by Nakatani, I mean, he, he uh, you know, gives his star a, a little rise as well. So a, a really a good night, you know, all around for uh, that ESPN card. There was a lot of positive things that happened. Yeah, so great, great ending to the year coming up. Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith on Saturday on The Zone. And again, thank you so much to Callum Smith for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening.